Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one size fits all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey friends, my name's Olivia Perez and I'm an entrepreneur, journalist, and the host of the Friend of a Friend podcast. Every Monday, I meet with some of today's youngest and brightest entrepreneurs to make space to tell their stories and shine a light on who I believe to be the next generation of luminaries. I'll interview up-and-comers and game changers from brand builders to personalities, activists, artists, and thought leaders from around the world. Each episode lets you be a fly on the wall during one of the greatest pep talks, like a conversation between you and a friend or a friend of a friend. See you there. Welcome to Breaking Beauty, the podcast all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. We're your hosts, Jill Dunn and Carlene Higgins. everyone. Welcome back to Breaking Beauty Podcast. I'm your co-host, Carlene Higgins. And I'm Jill Dunn. Hey, Carlene. Hey, girl. Hey. So today we have a Glowdown episode featuring a very special artist that we think you guys are going to love. Yeah. And while this is a brand new episode, I did record it in person a while ago, pre-pandemic times, when I took our show on the road to the West Coast. And I had the opportunity to chat in my hotel room with Vancouver-based Shaughnessy Otsuji, who co-founded Studio Sashiko with her husband in 2015. Shaughnessy is a restorative tattoo artist, probably best known for crafting perfectly microbladed fluffy brows. They almost have like a micro feathered effect. She counts some famous faces like Bachelorette stars Caitlin Bristow and Jillian Harris among her clients and many, many more. Of course, she's not at liberty to say... Yeah, and her waitlist is hella long, let me tell you. Not only are Shaughnessy's own brows complete goals, but what truly sets her apart is her talent as a fine artist, Carlene. And that's what made you and I both really excited about talking to Shaughnessy. She is in a league of her own. She attended Emily Carr University of Art and Design, and you can see that background reflected in her work. That's right. Her take on cosmetic tattooing is all about restoring features to its natural state in a way that's honestly hyper realistic to look at. Like for people who have experienced hair loss in their brows, the before and afters on her Instagram, they're just unreal. Yeah, there's one woman who I believe must have had been a victim of a, a burn and she had lost one brow. When you look at her now and Shaughnessy has restored that brow, you can't tell which one was existing and which one was tattooed on. Yeah, un- unbelievable. 
And one of her unique talents is her 3D areola restorative tattooing for clients who have undergone a mastectomy or breast reconstruction. And for women having gone through something as traumatic as cancer, to be able to look in the mirror and see a nipple in your reflection where there wasn't one, that is truly life-changing. Her skills are so phenomenal. It's no wonder she offers tutorials online on how to create those floppy brows to other artists. It's it's great because it means, you know, even though there's not enough Shaughnessy to go around, that good work is being put out there into the universe. Totally. And big, big news. She's planning to expand to a second location in LA soon. We can't reveal too much, but you can follow her on Instagram. Her handle is at Shaughnessy for more news and updates. We'll link to her Instagram handle, plus everything we chat about on our blog for this episode at breakingbeautypodcast.com. I was quite gutted that I didn't get to meet Shaughnessy in person because I've been admiring her work from afar for so long. But she seems like she's as busy as ever, even through COVID. Is that right? Yeah, they were shut down for a time, like a lot of salons and tattoo artists were. But she's up and running again. I checked in with her. She's as busy as ever. Her roster of regulars is coming in to see her. And of course, they're taking everything super seriously, the utmost safety precautions and sanitation. She's Everyone's wearing masks and she has a shield on and the gloves and everything. So it's sanitary. Awesome. Well, we haven't even mentioned how mad cool Shaughnessy's whole aesthetic is. You know, she herself as kind of this like tomboy street style look. She's like a sneaker head mixed in with a little Prada. She's even got this hashtag called Shunacy. It's so cute. I love following her just for that. And I mean, she even has her own Instagram fluffy brow effect filter. It's really fun. So you can like try on what her her work would look like on yourself. And In today's episode, of course, we're going to answer every single thing you guys would want to know about crafting the perfect brow, including at-home tips and tricks, plus the difference between microblading, brow lamination, and who is the best candidate for each. I had a lot of questions. (laughs) And in honor of Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Shaughnessy tells us how she became interested in restorative tattooing for breast cancer survivors. We talk about camouflaging stretch marks with restorative tattoos, scars, and stay tuned until the end to find out what she thinks is the next big thing in restorative tattoos. And here she is. Welcome, Shaughnessy. And now a quick pause to let you know about one of our show partners, Rory. So we know how confusing putting together a skincare routine can be. So that's why I'm pumped to tell you about Rory. They make it super easy. Rory is a digital online health clinic just for women, and they can help you treat your skincare concerns from breakouts to redness to aging, and no trip to the dermatologist or pharmacy is necessary. So how it works is that you log on to Rory and complete a free online consultation, and you answer questions about your skincare concerns and the type of treatment that you're looking for. Plus, you upload a couple of photos and within 24 hours, you'll hear back from a U.S.-based licensed healthcare professional. And if appropriate, they'll prescribe a personalized skincare treatment plan that works just for you with free two-day shipping in the U.S. You can also follow up with a healthcare professional anytime if you need to make a change to your treatment or if you have any questions. They're with you really every step of the way on your skincare journey. With Rory, there's no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So they have a very special offer for our Breaking Beauty fam. Head over to hellorory.com slash beauty to try out your personalized treatment for only $5. 
That's HelloRory.com slash beauty for a free consultation and $5 for your first order. HelloRory.com slash beauty to get your first order for $5. We'll link to that offer in our show notes and on our blog. And now back to today's podcast. So you and your husband, who I just met downstairs, <laughs> you guys own a tattoo studio together now, right? We do. Yeah. yeah. So what's it all about? So it's called Studio Sashiko. I know a lot of people can't pronounce it properly. <laughs> Our main goal, like we had both worked in tattoo studios in the past that were very particular. I mean, kind of that shop where you see like skulls and flames on the walls and there's metal music playing. And yeah, I mean, as, as comfortable as we were in those locations, it's not the type of clients that I was getting. They're not going to be comfortable. Like I, I do mm-hmm. get some some grandmas here yeah. and there and people <laughs> that just don't have tattoos. So we wanted to create something that no one had ever really seen and something that was a little more comfortable and a little bit spa-like, yeah. but kind of catering to more women. I was reading online that this the name of the studio has like a special meaning in Japanese. Yeah. So my husband's Japanese. We both love just like a lot of Japanese design, a lot of fashion influenced by Japan. And we wanted something unique, like a, a unique name that wasn't just like beauty bar or something like that. Like yeah. we wanted it to stand out and mean something a little bit more. So the word sashiko is Japanese for little stabs. Cool. (laughs) It's actually like a meticulous kind of embroidery style that's done on a lot of indigo dyed fabrics. So it's just very detailed and it kind of makes sense for what we do. Yeah, sums up what you do. And so in this shop, from what I understand, the research that I did online, you guys have all of the restorative tattoos that you do downstairs, but then you have sort of like a sister business upstairs or something for hairline? Yeah. Or what is that all about? So originally, Studio Sashiko kind of encompassed like all types of cosmetic tattooing. Recently branched out. I don't know if you're aware of all the artists at our studio, but Shay, she does brows with us. Her husband, Shannon, he's from Australia. He specializes in the scalp micropigmentation. He used to work under our name. And then we decided to kind of separate it just because a lot of the men that were coming in didn't feel as comfortable being in a room full of women or like coming up to the front desk and kind of explaining why they were there. So creating that separate entity, I think has really worked out well and almost like a man cave upstairs. Right. So what is, what is it? It's like they sort of reproduce like follicle looking hairs or what is it? Yeah. So it's, it's honestly tattooing tiny little dots on the scalp and little flecks of hair. So it just creates a fuller look for people that are thinning or if they've completely balded on top, it just brings back that hairline. Very natural looking way. So genius. I really find it interesting how you distinguish your restorative tattooing versus cosmetic tattooing. So really, what is the difference for people who may not have heard of restorative tattooing before? I mean, honestly, it is all the same thing. It's it's a type of tattooing that's not on your body. It's not just like something slapped onto your arm. But I think I prefer doing it for reasons that are closer to restorative rather than cosmetic. Like, right. although I do get clients who just have beautiful eyebrows and want them even more beautiful, I'm happy to do that. But I do find it a lot more rewarding to focus on clients who've maybe had some hair loss or some trauma or they've gone through some crazy surgeries where they need some restorative work done. Right. I like restoring features that may have lost rather than changing something about you. Like clients who've had alopecia or gone through chemo, or I have a client who had a crazy injury where basically half of her scalp got removed and had to be grafted. So she's missing a full eyebrow. And there's just a lot of really unique situations, which is so cool. When somebody comes to see you because they know you as like a brow guru now, what's the most common thing you're asked when somebody is looking to get their brows done? I mean, I'm lucky enough in the sense that people are coming to me now and they trust 
what I think. Like, mm-hmm. I every day someone's like, I don't know. I just trust you. Like, whatever you think. I mean, obviously, we'll draw everything on and make sure that it works for them. But they always just want a little bit of a nudge in the right direction on, like, what works with their face. And right. They don't know how to do their makeup naturally or they're obviously wanting people to not know that they got their face tattooed. So creating something realistic. And now you just mentioned something like drawing stuff on, like maybe just taking a step back. Like what if people are, they've heard microblading as like a buzzword, but maybe they don't know exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can like shed some light on that. So I'm not sure if you've noticed, but I I like to use the word tattoo as opposed to microblading. Although people understand microblading nowadays. I just prefer to... I don't know, inform my clients that it is a little bit more of a serious thing. It's not just like, oh, I'm getting my lashes done. I'm getting my hair done. I'm microblading. It's like, this is a serious thing. Like there's risks involved and I don't want to push anyone into it if they're not ready. But it is kind of like this very fine, natural, semi-permanent version of tattooing. Yeah, it's all done by hand for those who don't know. Essentially just kind of scratching in very fine hair strokes and filling them with ink. Mm -hmm. And it's a little more superficial in your skin. So exfoliating products and things like that will fade it over time. Mm-hmm. It's generally something you want to touch up every year or two. And so the tool that you're using, can you describe that? Yeah. So it's called a microblade, but it's really not a blade. It's usually made up of like seven to 14 needles kind of in a row, like all stacked beside each other, almost like a serrated edge it kind of creates. So yeah. rather than using like a scalpel that would just slice too much and right. be really dangerous. Yes. Um, it's a little more controlled and you can create a really fine hair stroke with that. So you map it all out. Like when someone comes in to see you, they're like, there's like grid lines in your face basically, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like a surgeon. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. you want to make sure that they're balanced. I personally do a little more freehand work just because what I do is a little more natural looking. I don't want things to look so perfect that they look fake. Yeah. So I'll do some guidelines here and there, but I do draw in each individual hair stroke before they start just so they can see. Really? Can kind of envision it a little bit better. Oh my God, that must take so long. <laughs> it's a process. Yeah. But like, it's so much easier than if you just draw them on super blocky, which can happen if you're going back and forth and you keep adding pencil, yeah. it gets a little much, but that's kind of what scares the clients and you right. want them to see exactly what it's going to look so, like. So. so basically before you do anything with the tool, you're, you've sketched it all out and yeah. they, they know and you're just like following your sketch. Exactly. So I think that would make people feel a lot better totally. about the process, right? Yeah. They can kind of see what it'll look like. And- yeah. So do they, do you block out like three hours to do that on someone, like to do both brows or? I'd say two, two and a half is kind of the most. I mean, yeah. there's some clients that may take a bit longer if they absolutely have no hair or if right. it's just an, a difficult situation. Um, right. But yeah, two, two and a half. So you did mention the word risks, which I think is important to cover because I think a lot of people could be getting Groupons for microblading and mm-hmm. things like that. <laughs> so um, tell us what the risks could be if it's done in the wrong hands and just what you would tell people if they are considering getting microblading done. Number one thing that people tell us is that our work is so different than what they've seen. They may have, like you said, on Groupon, mm-hmm. gotten like a $100 deal, but it doesn't look like microblading. It just looks like kind of filled in solid. So there are risks involved as far as like the artist skill level. You want it to look as realistic as possible if that's the look that you're going for. But there's also risks the artist is not licensed or if they're just doing it kind of in the back of a nail salon and yeah. the health board hasn't been uh, notified or if they're doing it in their house. Like there's a lot of factors. Right. You got to trust the artist that you're working with and make sure that they're not 
giving you an infection. Yeah. Or, yeah. Do you think it's true that you like get what you pay for in terms of microblading? Oh, totally. You do? Yeah. I mean, we do a lot of cover-ups too, as much as we would prefer not to. I do want to fix them and make them better, but yeah, there's a lot of I was just about deals. I was just about to ask you that. Do you fix like microblading gone wrong? Like what's the worst case scenario you've ever seen that you've had to correct? Uh, I've had actually like two or three clients now that have come in for an appointment without sending me photos before. Usually we ask, like, we want to make sure that we can work on them. Come in with these, like, dark blue, really solid filled-in brows that were done kind of overseas. And they want soft and natural. They want something light and wispy. And there's nothing we can do. So we have to send them away for laser removal or some sort of tattoo removal. And it's just such a process. From that point, you have to go through, like, at least six to eight sessions of laser, which is another healing process. More blisters and it's more scar tissue and damage done to your skin. So honestly, just do it right the first time if you can. No kidding. Go softer if you're worried. Like you can always add, you can build on them, but you can't really go the other way around. So Right. I've never had it done, but I'm curious like what it's like after you get the voila moment at the end and like you have perfect brows. So then what happens? Like, is there the scabbing and all that stuff that everybody talks about? Yeah. So there's a healing process. We tend to try to avoid scabbing as much as possible. So we don't want to overwork the skin. Your healing process, you obviously want to avoid exercise. So no sweating, no swimming, no makeup, no products in that area for about two weeks. Oh, wow. Okay. I know it seems a lot for some people. They're like, what? No hot yoga? (laughs) But it's so worth it just because any excess oil or moisture or any sort of buildup in that area, especially if you have hair, is going to create a scab and it's going to heal badly and it's going to blur. And we just want to keep everything clean and dry as much as possible. And it's an open wound on your face. So you want to make sure it's staying clean. So true. So that takes about two weeks and then people are like kind of just good to go or they come back to see you or? So we do offer a touch up usually eight weeks later if needed. If everything heals great and you're happy with how soft it is, that's fine because it is obviously going to lighten a bit once it heals under your skin, mm-hmm. usually people get addicted and they want more and they want fluffier and darker and bigger. So it's just like Botox. You just want to yeah. go back for that hit. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> to cut some people off sometimes. Yeah, I'm sure. Okay. So the ink, what is it? Is it like a vegan ink? Like what is what is the product you, you use? Yeah, they are all vegan. They are mainly iron oxide based. It depends though on the color. They're designed to fade a little bit, but honestly pigments these days are so close to tattoo inks. They're just a little bit different consistencies. So things that you do to your face, like retinols and exfoliants and stuff, that's all going to fade to regardless of if you used a, a regular ink or not. Right. It's more so the depth that you're placing it under the skin. So mm-hmm. if you're using a tattoo machine and really like drilling it in there, it's going to be in there. It's going to spread out and blow out and just not look great. So if you do them kind of superficially in your skin, there's a chance that they'll just soften and lighten and exfoliate right. naturally. Right. Oh, I have so many questions. Okay. <laughs> so then after you, you're happy with them and stuff, then you could touch up like eight weeks after the fact, but most people probably are happy with the result, right? They probably yeah. want to come back to get a and Yeah. It's up. not always like a touch up. It, yeah. We call it like you can build on it at that point or I a see. perfecting session. And okay. then after that, it's generally every year or two for annual maintenance. Yeah. See, that's amazing. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of people I've heard of, they're like, I'm in there every three months getting it done. So that's when you know. That's generally, I feel like a lot of bad healing information or something. I don't know. People are just 
bypassing what we told them and just going mm-hmm. straight to hot yoga right after their appointment. I could see that that's like a temptation. People are like, oh, it's fine. And yeah. then they just... Because that is the case with a lot of things like facial treatments. They're like, oh, it's only like a day downtime yeah. and you can yeah. do whatever you want. But this is something that has to heal and we want the strokes to stay crisp. Right. And it doesn't always do that if you're getting oily and sweaty. <laughs> right. That makes sense. So yeah. your microblading is like the best in the biz. You've just talked about a lot of your technique. And what I think is so interesting, too, is like how you've created this kind of army of artists who replicate your style. Probably seven or eight artists at your studio now. Yeah, we've got seven currently. We have guest artists kind of coming in and going to. Yeah, I think when we're looking for an artist to hire, we're kind of wanting someone who fits the same vibe as like natural results. That's what yeah. we want. We don't yeah. want something that looks fake, but. That's hard to do, though. Yeah. Like, you know, if you were like a makeup artist and you're trying to like staff a studio to get people to, you know, even if you see it backstage at like Fashion Week. Yeah. You'll see somebody keying this show like Dick Page or Pat McGrath. That's and then true. they have to bring their girl over to show Pat McGrath. And she's like, it's all wrong, you know, like and then they have to go. <laughs> like there's so much interpretation that goes into artistry. Totally. So that's amazing that you're able to curate that group of artists to like execute. Exactly. Well, I think that's the key is that they are all artists on their own. Like it does take an artist to do something as realistic as we do. Yeah. We all have our own little unique styles too. So the clients can choose based on that. And do you follow trends at all? Speaking of fashion week, like in terms of like (laughs) brows, like when they go up or down or, you know. I mean, yeah, we're definitely a fan of the fluffy brow. That's kind of been like our trademark since day one. Um, Even when I first started doing brows, I had to convince a lot of my clients to let me do some of those unruly kind of wild hairs because they all thought like, well, I'm getting my face tattooed. It has to be absolutely perfect. So it took a while for people to trust me that this is what a natural eyebrow is going to look like. But now we've kind of ran with it. And there is definitely like the wild, crazy, super brushed up brows. We get a lot of that. But I think more and more people are just wanting their old brows back like before the 90s, before they tweezed them all away. (laughs) True. Yeah. (laughs) Talk about restoration. I'm just wondering who you think is maybe not a candidate for microblading or the type of artistry that you do. Is there anybody that you're like, you have to turn away, for instance? Honestly, the only people we have turned away are those like really intense, previously tattooed brows. Yeah. That's really difficult and probably the hardest thing we've ever had to do. People that have extremely oily skin can definitely be harder to make it look as sharp and crisp and natural. Yeah. Although... There's ways around it. You can mm-hmm. still make it look like a good-looking eyebrow. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I've worked with so many different skin types. It's it's something that's possible for everyone. You just have to kind of manage your expectations. Like right. if you have dry skin, you're going to heal actually really well. Yeah, That's our favorite type of skin <laughs> to work with. But if you're really oily, you kind of have to understand it's going to be a little more diffused looking and soft. Right. I guess I should ask about price too because that is something people will want to know. So at our studio, we've got because we've got six different brow artists and then our tattoo artists, mm-hmm. the prices range based on their experience. Mm-hmm. So how long they've been at our studio, essentially. Mm-hmm. So prices range from 500 to 900 Canadian dollars. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I feel like that's quite standard. What up, beauty fans? We're going to break for a moment to play a fun little challenge courtesy of our friends at Dairy Farmers of Ontario. Okay, I've been tasked with talking about all 15 of the essential nutrients packed into every glass of Ontario-made milk 
in the length of this ad, Kate, that's a lot. So I feel like this is one of those TikTok challenges, but for podcasts. And, you know, I won't be dumping a jug of milk all over my head or anything like that, which is perfect because why waste it? It's so delicious. It's like liquid gold to me, especially when I bake banana bread or chocolate chip cookies. It's like a match made in heaven. All right. Well, challenge accepted. These are the 15 nutrients inside every glass. Calcium helps build strong bones and teeth. Okay, knew that one. Protein helps build strong muscles. Yep, knew that one too. Vitamin D helps build strong bones and teeth. Okay, this is too easy. Magnesium helps keep bones healthy. Yeah, every woman my age knows that one. Thiamine and niacin, never heard of these, but they help with normal growth. Vitamin A supports night vision and healthy skin. Okay, I knew the skin part. Beauty editor skills coming through. Potassium helps with muscle function. Nice. Pantothenic acid. What's that? Helps with energy metabolism. Okay. Might be my new favorite acid. Riboflavin. That's a fun one to say. That helps with energy metabolism too. And so does vitamin B6. What do you know? Vitamin B12. That's for red blood cell formation. Selenium helps protect against oxidative stress. Zinc. That's another one that keeps your skin healthy. All right. Check and check. I knew that one. And the last one, phosphorus, helps to maintain healthy teeth. So important. All right. I think I nailed it. Learn more about Milk's Nutrients at whatcantmilkdo.ca because really, what can't milk do? I know when I get my brows done, I just get them plucked. I was kind of getting in trouble because I went to get Botox and then I went to get my brows done. And she said (laughs) I should have done the inverse. Like, do you have any recommendations on that? If people get like fillers or Botox or anything, like what should you do first, essentially? Yeah. So, I mean, if it's something that you're... Oh, totally. We always have to ask, like, have you had Botox recently? Um, If it's something that they're doing to correct, like, a muscle issue where they very obviously have, like, one droopy side, I would say get the Botox, let it settle, and then we'll kind of do your brows to match. Okay. But if they're just doing it to lift both brows in the same way, it's probably better to microblade them where your natural brow sits and then raise them with Botox. Yeah. So if you're just getting like the 11s done, you can get your microblading done first and then. Totally. And doctors nowadays are so good at Botox that they can just like subtly place things here and there to help balance it even more. Baby Botox. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And how do you know if somebody is a good artist that you can trust? Because I, I heard you on another podcast or read an interview where you were saying people will like rip off pictures on Instagram of that are yours. Oh, yeah. And post them on their own. Instagram feed. So that's kind of scary because I would never have thought of that. And it's so hard, like as a consumer wanting to get the service done, like you don't know if those, like they could look super professional because they've stolen so many good quality photos. Um, There was a while where we were watermarking all of our photos, but it's gotten to the point where people just recognize our work and can kind of tell. But it's unfortunate. I mean, the best thing to do is reach out to the actual artist and ask for like, photos of their healed work as well as like talking to their clients and right <laughs> actually looking at a human face who's had it done. <laughs> so that's something you would provide like no no questions asked if someone was oh, like yeah. I really want to see. So that's yeah. That's- We've got like catalogs of images and so oh, okay. many <laughs> backed up photos. So. I would never think that's a really good tip. I would never think that first of all people would steal and repost photos that weren't their work. Yeah. But then to also know that you can go to the artist and ask for different stages of totally. what, just to what, kind of clarify that that's where those came from. Yeah. <laughs> what about these newer brow treatments like brow lacquer lamination? Can you explain what's new about that and why it's different than microblading? Yeah, so it's completely different. I see that question a lot online cuz we now offer lamination as well. 
it's a funny name, but yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. It's essentially like a lash lift for your eyebrow hair. So okay. people have called it brow lacquer, brow lamination, brow lift. Like there's all these different terms. It's essentially a perm, straightening perm for your eyebrow hair. Okay. So you can brush the hairs in whatever direction you want, put on this perming solution, kind of neutralize it, and it'll stay for six to eight weeks. Whoa. So it's kind of like a great thing to do with your microblading. Okay. You have to wait for your microblading to heal before you can do it. But if your hairs naturally grow downwards and you want this fluffy brow look, you can do that and it'll blend in with your hair. Do you have that done? I do. Oh yeah, it looks really good. (laughs) Thank you. It's almost like the brows are like kind of, they have a texture to them. Do you notice that or is that... Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't really change. Like, it still feels like my hair. It's just that they brush up. I don't have to use brow gel anymore. It's kind of like a little semi-permanent brow gel. (laughs) Wow. So this would be really good for like if you were going on vacation and or like... Totally. Because I notice honestly, sometimes my eyebrow hair, if if I'm in a human climate, they get like frizzy. Oh, yeah. So this would be really good. Like anti-frizz for your brows. Yeah. Or if people have really coarse kind of curly brow hairs, it'll straighten them a little bit more. Okay. Why do you think that's like so popular right now? Has that been around for a while or? I'm actually amazed that it took this long for that to be a thing. Like once it came out, I'm like, oh my gosh, why didn't I think of that? Like that's genius because lash perms have been around for so long. Right. Now they're kind of rebranded as like a lash lift, which I get too. I love that. Yeah. I don't know where or who started it, but it's genius and I'm so glad it exists. <laughs> and so what would something like, what does a brow lamination cost versus um, microblading? I think a lot of places it's between like 80 and 150, depending okay. on if you get a tint with it as well okay. or if you're getting it filled in with makeup afterwards. I will tell people that it only works if you have brow hair. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> a lot of people ask that. And I think, yeah, so many people want that fluffy look. And especially, I'd say, like, a lot of Asian clients, their hair naturally grows downwards. It's just the direction. And if you want that fluffy look, you can do that. Laminating them in place, basically. Mm -hmm. But it looks really natural. Totally. Oh, yeah. And that's a good point that you need to actually have the hairs there in Mm -hmm. order for it to have the effect. Okay. And what about brow products that you personally love and recommend for at-home grooming every day? I mean, soap brows. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Big game changer. So tell people what that's all about. So it's a glycerin-based, essentially brow pomade. It's just soap. Um, And you kind of activate it with water or setting spray and you use like a spoolie or a brush to kind of brush your hairs up in place and it stays all day long and they will like slick down to your face. It's really for that kind of editorial runway style brow right which I love there's yeah. the product soap brows like they've kind of named it that yeah. or there's glycerin bars of soap you can use as well yeah so um, that's like a hack you can do it with really any bar of soap totally yeah and if you don't want something as extreme and you want maybe add a little color to your brows obviously the glossier boy brow yeah it's a really good choice yeah I'm all about the gels as opposed to like filling in with makeup or powder or pencils or anything like that right um, but that's also because I have microblading and I don't yeah. need to add color. But yeah. I love I love a brow gel. Like it's anything that's easy and totally like, gets you at the door faster. I'm all about it. Maybelline actually just came out with one that's pretty good. It's like their I think knockoff of the Glossier one. Oh, so nice. for a drugstore, it's not bad. Does it have that tiny little brush at the mm-hmm. end? That's the thing. I mm-hmm. feel like that brush is just all you need. <laughs> yeah. And like the Benefit Gimme Brow. Yes. Is like, so the Benefit Gimme Brow is the OG, I think. Then Glossier knocked that off with Boy Brow. And now yeah. Maybelline is knocking them off. It all, there's a trickle down effect. Totally. For sure. And what else do you sell? Like, I feel like people are always, kind of like you were alluding to, people aren't ever satisfied. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> you can give them lamination, microblading, the soap brow, and they're like, what else can I do? Like, yeah. So do you what sell? Do you recommend? <laughs> I'll take it. Like, do you sell like 
cool. I know that you have like a lot of beautifully curated things in your shop. Like, do you have like something you discovered like in Japan that works amazing for brows or like something? Um, as far as beauty products, we've kept mm-hmm. it, I guess, fairly local. I mean, mm-hmm. soap brows we do carry. Mm-hmm. It's from the UK. We carry Freck mm-hmm. because we do freckle tattoos. Yeah. Um, she's actually become kind of a friend of ours in LA, Remy, who created the brand. So it's like a freckle cosmetic. Right. I don't know if you've ever yeah, used I've seen it. it. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and now she's got kind of a makeup line coming out and she's got a skincare line. So we hope to carry the whole thing. That's cool. Those are our top sellers. Freck and Soap Brows, like that combo is just amazing. I do want to branch more into having like a whole brow line or even us ourselves creating a brow line in the future. That would be fun. (laughs) That would make really a lot of sense. And do you have like a brow styling hack for, I know you mentioned boy brow, but do you have any other like tips or tools that you maybe use around your house that maybe people might not think about? I know I've heard like backstage, you always see people using those wooden toothbrushes, for instance, to like brush the brows up, like anything like that. I personally use for all my clients as well, if I'm wanting to add some hair strokes or like build some dimension in my brows, I will use, it's like a carpenter's pencil. It's called a grease pencil or a china marker. Like there's a lot of different brands. Sharpie has a brand of it. So it's like a kind of waxy based pencil that you can carve into like a chiseled edge, like a flat edge. It almost looks like a microblade. And then you can draw on really perfect straight hairs. And is there an overrated brow product out there that in your opinion, people don't look better when they use it? (laughs) I'm not a huge fan of the dip brow. (laughs) I feel like if that's that super sculpted look that you want, then whatever. But I feel like it's really hard for someone who's a beginner and learning how to fill in their brows to get it really soft and blend nicely with their hairs. It's yeah. it's, it's heavy and yeah. <laughs> hard for me to wipe off when I'm about to tattoo them. <laughs> so this is the Anastasia yeah. brow, right? Totally. Yeah. yeah. That was a game-changing product when it came out. But I agree in the wrong hands. It's it's like Groucho Marx. Like, yeah. You know. Good with the right brush. Yeah. But I don't feel like everyone knows how to use that brush. <laughs> yeah. My tip with that is actually I have the brush and it's like people start by their nose. You have to start in the center mm-hmm. of the and brow. Whip it into yeah. The middle, and right? then you like whip it in because you can you just want to deposit. You just don't want the blob of color right by your nose, yeah. which I think is one of the things that a lot of people do because it's like just in, it's so easy to overdo it. <laughs> even in microblading, I feel like a lot of people go way too heavy in the front and that's yeah. not what a natural brow does. It's right. always a bit softer there. So right. it's yeah. one thing to look for in an artist. <laughs> one of the ways in which your work is so incredibly unique is the areola restorative tattooing that you do for your clients, some of which have undergone a mastectomy or breast reconstruction. But I know that you even work with some trans people after surgery, you know, do some restorative tattooing with them as well. And it's a very niche skill. It's a very niche artistry that I don't think a lot of people were paying attention to before. Um, and so how did how were you inspired to create those types of tattoos? So I was already tattooing quite a few brows on clients who were going through chemotherapy due mm-hmm. to breast cancer. So we were kind of already having these conversations of like, oh, I kind of want to get my nipples tattooed. I, I don't know where who does them. And I was learning a lot that like surgeons in their offices, they would have technicians who offer nipple tattooing, but it's not super hyper-realistic. It's kind of just, here's your pink dot. There you go. And then I have kind of an aunt. She's my mom's best friend, but she had a mastectomy and she had hers tattooed and she just wasn't happy with how everything turned out and it didn't look real. So she was just always like, you should do this. This is something you'd be good at. And it just kept popping up. And I was like, you know what? 
I think I do have to do this. Yeah. And I drew a bunch of nipples and I I did the training and I love it. Now it's definitely such a rewarding part of the job and just dealing with, I thought it was going to be mainly breast cancer related. Yeah. But I've dealt with people, like you said, trans or non-binary people who've had top surgery. There's quite a bit of scarring involved and pigment loss and things like that. Yeah. Even people would just have a lift or a reduction, things like that. Right. A mommy makeover, maybe. Yeah, totally. Like, <laughs> that would be, like you said, really, re- really rewarding, but probably quite emotional too. Oh, definitely. So, a lot of tears. <laughs> yeah. How, because it, it's just a very intimate thing that you're doing. Not only are you so up close for them, but it, maybe it's the end of a journey for some of these people. Yeah. Or, That's what I always tell them too. I'm like, it's, it's nice for me because this is the last step in their journey to make them all pretty again. And, give them the nipples that they always wanted or maybe they have something that they didn't like previously and now they get to choose what they want. Yeah. So how did you get the inspiration? Like, were you online like studying different (laughs) areolas? Because everybody has to check this out if you guys are listening because the way that you draw them, they're 3D. They're they're like hyper-realistic and they (laughs) no two are the same, right? Exactly. So, I mean, it's really hard to find super high quality photos of nipples online. Like, even porn is yeah. not clear. It's very blurry. Um, so I had a couple friends send photos to me of like their nipples. Yeah. And I was studying my husband's nipple. And <laughs> I guess just the more I drew it, the more I realized like everyone is so different. There's a Instagram account actually called the genderless nipple, I think. And okay. it's just close-ups of nipples. And they've been able to get away with posting them because right. they're genderless. You right. can't really tell who they belong to. Right. And there's a lot of great photos on there. So Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that's inspo totally. for you. What's upsetting to me is that like when I went to grab some of your photos to share yesterday, it's like, does Instagram sort of filter those or what's the word? Censor some of them? Yeah. I was having a lot of issues earlier. I guess like last year that I was getting a lot of them deleted, like immediately after I would post them. Oh. I thought that people were just flagging them. But oh. I think Instagram has this scanning thing where they just scan for nudity. And if they notice it, they'll just remove it. So there's a few tricks I've learned that I have to make the before and after very obvious that there was no nipple there originally. Right. And this new one is fake. It can't yeah. just be like, oh, that might be real. Yeah. It's annoying. <laughs> yeah, because you could you could like hashtag it and like people could discover it and yeah. It's now my like, hashtag is completely gone. So oh, is it really? Yeah. Did you get shadow banned? Yep. <gasps> oh, all shoot. of my hashtags, like my little shoe hashtag, they just removed everything. So wow. It came back eventually. But. It did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, where can people see these these images then on your website? Yeah, I, yeah. Tr- I try to keep my website updated. I'll still post them on Instagram. Yeah. I just create like a cover photo before so they can swipe to see it. Right. I just think out of respect for some people too. If they're right. at work or at church, they might not want to yeah. just open their phone to that. True, so. true. Do you remember like the conversation afterwards or how you felt or just like walk us through that a little bit? The first clients that I ever did, there was definitely tears and I think I wasn't prepared for that. Even right. still, like when I let my clients look in the mirror for the first time, I'm right away like, okay, where can I add? What can I do? But I don't give them that second to like, just be like, oh my right. gosh, wow. Right. <laughs> so I got to give them a moment, have their emotions kind of get that out of the way. And then mm-hmm. I can start analyzing where I need to add. But yeah. Because it's your canvas. Totally. I'm right? like looking at it as if it's my artwork like I need to perfect it but it's on a human (laughs) yeah something really interesting that you do in addition to the areola reconstruction is scar camouflage Mm -hmm. so I've never seen this before so tell everybody what that is so we actually have an artist Nicole at our studio who specializes in this now 
I wanted to focus more on the creating the nipples. So her main thing is mostly covering scars that are white in comparison to your skin tone. So like stretch marks or surgical scars or like facelift scars can be kind of like a white line around your ear. Basically just camouflaging that whiteness with your skin tone. So adding skin tone pigment into it. Those are very dramatic. Oh, yeah. Because I think, you know, we're just living in this day and age and Carlina and I talk about it all the time where we want to be body positive. We want to accept everything that's on Mm -hmm. our body, every lump, bump, cellulite, stretch mark. But for some people, it is debilitating in a way that it holds them back from day-to-day life. Totally. And I struggle with offering those services too because I do feel like that, I should be on that body positivity mm-hmm. train, which I am, but yep. I am also not, I can't decide for someone what they think they would want to cover or not. Like it's totally up to them. If that's yeah. going to make them feel better, we're yeah. happy to help. Yeah, exactly. And I think you can have a bit of both. Like this is the beauty of the time we're living in. It's like, it's all about choice. Like totally. maybe you don't want to get Botox, but yeah, you do want to cover up your stretch marks on your boobs from breastfeeding yeah. or whatever. Right? Exactly. Those are truly game-changing. Like when I saw those images, I was blown away. Yeah. Like it, it, it was like really her, cool. it was like her stretch marks are erased. Mm-hmm. And you do that anywhere on the body. She can do that. Yeah. Pretty much as long as the scar is lighter than your skin tone. If it's yeah. darker, it's a lot harder. It doesn't look as smooth and consistent. But. I see. I see. And so can you do that on anyone of any skin color? Oh, wow. Facelift scars. Okay. Now I didn't even think about that. Now my mind is blown. Yeah. I mean, the surgeons always, they try to hide them in your hairline, Uh which definitely works, but you still up close, you see like a white kind of wiggly line. (laughs) Crazy. And so if people have had scars from childhood or anything like that, like any type of scar, you can kind of like, what about burns? I mean, burns, we kind of have to take every scar. I don't know. Everyone's different, right? So if the skin is really thin, there's not a lot you want to do with that. Right. Um, we just have to be really delicate with a lot of scar tissue. Right, right. Any other cosmetic tattooing or restorative tattooing trends you think will be big? I mean, I, I know the lip blush is becoming a big thing again, which is really cool to see it go in a more natural direction rather than just like the lip liner that used to be a thing in the 90s. Yeah. Can you tell everybody what that is? Yeah. So it's just adding kind of like a soft... I guess, like wash of color over your lips, just like you have a bit of a lip stain mm-hmm. and it can help correct a little bit of edge line if you want, but it's a little bit of a softer approach than mm-hmm. just lining it and filling it in dark. Right. Do you do that at your studio? We have one artist. She actually is in Germany, but she comes and works with us a few times a year. So cool. she does offer that. We'd like to offer it more full-time. We just want to find the right artist. Yeah. So from what I understand, it's almost like now it's like a bit more about like, preventing that feathered look. It's like it crisps up the edges sort of. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you have like a more pale lip color naturally or just something you want to correct or an uneven lip line, you can definitely sharpen that up. Is there anything else like that that sort of piqued your interest? Um, We've had some people ask about eyeliner lately. Like I said before, like I don't really want to focus on things that look like makeup, but I'm super interested in trying to figure out how to create like almost realistic lashes for clients who have alopecia. Yeah. Especially men. Like you can't really just create a dark lash line without it looking like makeup. Right. Just like really strategic hair strokes along the lash line, which sounds terrifying, but <laughs> I want to master that. That's cool. Are, yeah. are you experimenting with that at all? I mean, I haven't tried it on a human yet, but yeah. 
I need to make some time to do that. I think it would be really cool. Wow, that would be game-changing. And switching gears a little bit, you just opened a cafe. Like, you're not busy enough. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) So tell us everything. It literally just opened, right? Three weeks ago now. So our studio is, like our studio Sushiko, is downtown Langley, which is kind of this cute little one-way. It's very quaint. They always film Hallmark movies there, Christmas movies. But we found that a lot of our clients are traveling from all over the states, all over the world, just to come to this little area in Langley. And they were all like, where can I go for food? Where's a cute little cafe? And Langley doesn't really have too many of those options yet. And like I grew up in California and we have so many amazing cafes that you'll just go out of your way to go there and to get that perfect like Instagram photo. So Shay and I, we just kind of brainstormed and decided that's what we wanted to do. And Spot opened up right next to us. So we ended up getting that. And Amazing. It's awesome. It's kind of the perfect complimentary Yeah, restaurant. And what's it called again? Pink Avo. Pink Avo. Yeah. What do we order if we go to Pink Avo? I mean, we have an avocado toast called the Pink Avo. That's kind of <laughs> just the, the basic. We have a toast right now called the Sweater Weather. So it's kind of like fall in your mouth. Mm. It's like butternut squash. There's maple syrup. There's toasted marshmallows on it. It's oh, amazing. Wow. Okay. It's definitely one of the most I wanna popular. Check, I want to check it out. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can find details on every product mentioned in today's episode, along with our exclusive promo codes on our blog at breakingbeautypodcast.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our newsletter. Every episode will be delivered directly to your inbox so you won't miss a single thing. And get social with us. Let us know what you think of the episode. You can follow us on Instagram at breakingbeautypodcast. And did you know we also have a private Facebook group? Just search Breaking Beauty Podcast chat room. You can even leave us a voicemail at any time with questions or feedback at 1-844-227-0302. And don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast fix. Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, where you can show us some love by writing a review. See you next Wednesday.